Yeah, I think it just naturally does it all. Yeah, it seems to figure it out. Yeah, without any yeah. um, pushes of the button. So. to you before we get into uh, Galatians this morning. Uh, many of you will know we've been working on a building project for a few years now and uh, we are getting really, really close to be able to put in uh, the planning application. As many of you will know, the process hasn't been straightforward. Uh, there are plenty of added complications and things that need to be worked out. Uh, just to get to that stage which we're close to, we do need a little bit more funds. Uh, some of you will have received a letter about that over the summer. And uh, some of well those times, isn't it? There's lots going on. Uh, it's probably dropped down in your in tray, or it's at the back of your letterbox, or, or something, or in your spam file, or whatever. Um, if you get a chance, it would be really wonderful if you could look at that, if you could think about that, if you could pray about that. Uh, we need about seventy-five thousand pounds to get us over the line, so we've got enough to submit the planning application, which we'll hopefully be doing in the next couple of months or so. So um, let me ask, just just please pray about that, and if you can respond. Please do. If you've got no idea what I'm talking about, please come and find me and ask me afterwards. Uh, if you're interested, if we get the planning application in, then the real work of uh, prayer and faith uh, begins. Uh, it's an exciting project. Uh, I hope you feel able to uh, support us uh, in prayer and maybe financially too in that. Let's get Galatians 5 open. We've been doing a series, uh, working through this letter uh, of this early Christian leader, the Apostle Paul, to these churches in this region of Galatia. And uh, we're up to chapter five. Here's a, here's a little window into, um, into my household. Uh, the other night I was sat on the sofa with, uh, with one of my kids, 
And uh, they were watching their rubbish on the telly, and I said, right, enough's enough. Uh, give me the buttons. I want to put on my program. And uh, my kid said, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm watching my program. And I said, listen, give me the buttons, or you go to bed right now. And, uh, and she said, Dad, I think you'll find that's bribery. And uh, I think the Bible would say that's not a good thing. To which I replied, actually, Kez, it's blackmail. <laughs> now give me the buttons, or go to bed. And anyway, I'm saved by grace, not by works, so shut up. <laughs> Conversations that happen in my house uh, almost daily basis uh, raises the question that we're thinking about as we get to this dear Galatians I'm saved by grace, grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So, can I do what I like? Can I behave how I like? I'm saved by grace, not works. Can I behave how I like? And Paul's answer as we get to this bit of the letter is uh, no, no, because. You've been saved by grace, and when you're saved, God gave you his Holy Spirit, put his Holy Spirit into your life, in your heart, so that now you live under, under God's rule and direction. You live not to earn his favour, but as a response to his grace. We now want to live lives that please him as our act of worship. And so as Paul kind of works this through, we're going to see this over the next uh, couple of weeks as Paul unpacks this. Now, I've got three headings for us to think about this morning as we, we go through this. Uh, maybe a well-known passage, uh, maybe familiar this fruit of the Spirit passage, you may never have read it before. But um, here's our first heading, and uh, here's the first thing that Paul uh, is, is trying to get across to the Galatians, uh, using this image of fruit and, and cultivation and gardening, is that we need to dig up the weeds. So the first thing Paul wants to say to us, dig up the weeds. He says, verse 13, that you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. When he says flesh, he means our, our sinful nature. That, that, that bit of us that still wants to do our own thing, our own way, sometimes contrary to God's word and will. He says, don't, don't indulge that, rather serve one another humbly in love. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. You bite and devour each other. Watch out. You'll be destroyed by each other. And so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, your sinful nature, desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other. So you're not to do whatever you want. Also, there's this battle going on in every Christian. In every Christian life, it's not like you become a Christian and all your problems go away. You become a Christian and you find yourself in a, in a fight. A fight between the, the old nature, the sinful nature, the bit that you that wants to rule your own life, your own way. And now it means to live for God, to live led by His Spirit, to live pleasing Jesus. And Paul says, you're in a battle. These two things are often in conflict and you've got to fight. You've got to keep kind of digging up the weeds, the flesh of the old man. In 1642, uh, history buffs, you will know, there began the English Civil War. But basically, after about over a decade of the king doing whatever he liked, uh, ignoring his parliament, uh, sending them away, not needed, made his own rules, raised his own taxes. Uh, one of his rules, interestingly, for a church gathering was, if you didn't go to church, you will be fined. 
Okay, can it turn up on any one Sunday to your local Church of England church? You'll receive a fine. Anyway, Charles I is doing all this for 10 years, and Parliament eventually said, enough is enough. And they, they confront him. And, uh, and so begins uh, this, this incredible period of English history, the English Civil War. Paul says there's a civil war going on. The fight that you fight is not out there. It is not with other people. It's not with stuff going around you. The biggest enemy you face is the enemy within. It's, it's, it's the fight against the old man. It's the fight against your sinful nature. That is the biggest fight that you have to, the biggest war you have to wage. Uh, an older Christian writer, a man called John Owen, said this, Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin. We'll be killing you. And let no one think to kill sin with a few easy strokes. No, he who strikes a snake, if he does not follow up until it's dead, will soon regret starting the quarrel. So it is with a person who begins to deal with sin and does not pursue it constantly to death. Owen is saying every day you've got to beat the old man to death. Or a fight sin. What are the works of the flesh? We haven't read out, didn't we? Uh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, the stuff there around sort of sensuality and, and those sorts of desires. And maybe for you that's the, the presenting issue. Maybe for you the battle that you, that you fight daily, you need to put to death, is, is that temptation. Maybe the temptation for some of you to be kind of looking at stuff online that you know you shouldn't be, you know isn't right, but it, it keeps coming back. And you've got to keep fighting, you've got to keep battling. For some of us, it'll be more subtle, won't it? Some of these things, we, we read these and we think, well, that's not me, is it? You know, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, faction, envy. Notice most of those things are relational. Uh, there's some things about sensuality, some things about immorality. Most of the list there is about relationships with one another. Well, some of that's more subtle, isn't it? You might think you don't struggle with that. Might, might be vulnerable and uh, share how, how I, like, I was thinking about how, how do I struggle with this. Uh, let me tell you, this summer, uh, many of you had lovely holidays. Many of you went to lovely places and did lovely things. Uh, we had uh, four days in a caravan in Wales. It was cold, it was damp, it was wet. And can I be honest? There's, there's a bit of my heart which actually feels slightly jealous. I, I find envy. I find myself playing comparison games and, and I'm feeling like somehow it's not fair. Feeling discontent. Where does that, where does that come from? It's, it's the old man, isn't it? It's the flesh. It's, it's the failure actually my heart. Gratitude. It's very be thankful, isn't it, that I live in a place, I live in a time, I work for a boss that gives me paid holiday. That, that, that's not all that common across the world and through history. I have a church family that, that honours my, my time off, and, and we had a good time. We have a wonderful family. We have our health, and we have somewhere. See, but I forget all that, don't I? Uh, my heart comes envious and jealous, and it's the flesh. And daily, daily, I've got, I've got to put that to death. I've got to fight that. I've got to battle that. I've got to dig up the weeds. It's part of what it means to live by the Spirit. So that's the first thing. The second thing. Is, is this put down some roots? Put down some roots. Uh, how do we do this? How do we bear fruit? How do, how do we put to death the deeds of the flesh? How do we bear fruit? Well, well, how does any plant bear fruit or any tree bear fruit? It's got good roots, hasn't it? 
It's got to put down its roots into good, nourishing soil. How do we do that? That, that sounds, sounds great. You think, how do I do that? Well, two things here in this passage. The first one is, um, remember the promise of the Spirit. Rely on the Spirit. Paul says three times, walk by the Spirit, verse 16. Almost the same thing, verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, and in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit is a promise. To any follower of the Lord Jesus, he promises he's giving you his Spirit. It's important, isn't it? We mustn't think, you know, maybe you've heard it, maybe you've taught it, let's, let's kind of put it to bed, that you, you become a Christian, and if, you, if you're serious and you're keen and you, and you try hard, then at some point down the line, you, you'll get a special gift of God's Spirit. And the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that the moment you say, I want to follow you, Jesus, and pour the Spirit into your heart, it's a gift. You won't always feel it, but it's a promise. It is a gift given to every follower, and we can rely on that, that actually if we're rooted in him, we will bear fruit. It might be slow. It might be gradual. Your fruit might be very small, but you will. You will bear fruit. And the other thing here, how do you put down roots, is, is keep looking to the cross. Keep looking to the cross. Uh, remember everything Jesus has done. Uh, look at verse 14. Uh, think about this. Paul says that the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. But in a sense, of course, that command has already been fulfilled by Jesus. The entire law has already been fulfilled by the one who perfectly obeyed. Love your neighbour as yourself as he laid down his life on the cross. For he has done it. He has done everything required. He's perfectly obeyed the law. He's taken the punishment and the curse of the law in our place. So that we can rely on what he has done and we can keep looking at that. And we have the same idea, David, verse 24, have a look at that. Uh, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If you belong to Jesus, it's like, it's like when he dies, you, you, are, you are united by faith to him. So when he dies that death and he's buried in the grave, it kind of, your old self goes with him in a sense. The, 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 the penalty for sin is done. The power of sin is broken. The cross has done that. So as you, actually, if you want to put down, put down roots, look up first. Before you think, how do I bear fruit out? What do I need to do? We're going to think about that in a minute. First, look up. Because as, as you look up, you will find, as you look at Jesus and all that he's done and all that he is and his, his love, his grace, his mercy, your heart will begin to overflow toward those around you. But boys and girls, I've got something for you today. Um, because my, uh, my generosity knows no bounds, my children will tell you. Uh, for every family, wait for it, drum roll, it's exciting. Um, I've got one of these for you to take. Now, it's, uh, when I say my generosity knows no bounds, it's one, it's one per family, okay? But I'm in a level 15. But, but for, if you've got young children and you want to take one of these, one per family, I'll, uh, I'll leave you somewhere afterwards. This was in the shape of a heart to remind you to love. It's a little seed paper. So boys and girls, what you can do with this is, is you can plant this, get a little pot, put this, cover it with a bit of compost and water it, and uh, I, don't, I don't know what's going to come out of it, but, but flowers will come, uh, I, I hope, if I've not been ripped off and, and done. Um, so, so boys and girls, take it, plant it, see what grows, and, and remember what that means. Remember, what, what does it mean? It means as, as, as roots go down, fruits come out. As the roots go down, fruits come out. How can we do that, grown-ups? I'm going to give you two very practical ideas. Uh, number one, uh, pray more. 
I don't mean pray longer. I mean pray more often. I mean pray those five-second, one-sentence prayers while you're going about your day. So if you're standing in that supermarket checkout queue, feeling slightly frustrated at the pace with which the you know the person is processing stuff, and you feel yourself getting annoyed, say, Lord, help me, help me bear the fruit of the spirit. And as you do that, as you're stuck in traffic, Lord, help me, help me be a godly witness to my children stuck in traffic. Whatever it is, pray those little one-sentence prayers, and what you begin to find is you, you become more conscious of that sense which. God is with us all the time, His Spirit leads us all the time. And so every kind of moment we walk into is an opportunity to, to kind of consciously depend, to practice conscious dependence on God's Spirit, helping us to live in ways that please Him and bear witness to His grace. One of the really practical ones, this might not be for everyone, but this, this kind of works for me. It's so practical, you may think obvious. Um, find some Christian music to listen to. Find a worship playlist on Amazon Prime or Spotify, or I'm sure others are available. And find something you can listen to quite regularly. Because, and this might just be me, I find as I listen to music and it and it kind of it lifts my heart again in worship to, to who Jesus is and for what he's done. I, I, what, hey, what do you think happens? I find my heart starts to soften and to, to, to think out, to stop being turned on itself. To think about him, to think about others, to think about neighbours, to think about community, to think about love. Set down some roots. Here's, here's the last one, last setting this morning. Is uh, pick some fruit. Pick some fruit. Let's look at the fruit of the spirit. We want to dig up the weeds. We've got to put down the roots. Well, what does the fruit look like? Uh, Paul lists it here. We did a series uh, a few years ago looking at kind of one by one. But uh, I wonder if you notice this as you read them. What do they all have in common? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Maybe this week, probably this was the first time I noticed this, so I don't think I've spotted this before. All of those are about relationships. All of those are about relationships, aren't they? Actually, so eight of the 15 works of the flesh are about relationships. All nine of the fruit of the Spirit are about relationships. How do we please God? Well, it's about how we are with one another. It's about how we treat our neighbours. And why does this matter? Why is this kind of this relational aspect or loving neighbour as the fulfilment? Why does that matter in the context of the letter? Here's why. Because legalism and love don't go together. Legalism is the challenge of the letter. Legalism is this thing that says you must earn God's favour, you must do this and this and this and this, and eventually you'll earn God's blessing. But you see, if you live like that, if you live in that kind of performance mentality, it's quite hard to really love people if they don't live up, if they don't perform. I've been watching um, a documentary on Netflix about uh, an American football team, Irish Cup of Tea, uh, called the Florida Gators. It's a college, university college football team, very big in the States. The Florida Gators, uh, they kind of made the news because they won this incredible winning run, they won two national championships, and in the opening episode they get this new kind of hotshot coach in, this guy called Urban Meyer. And his approach is basically um, weed out the week. So they kind of they talk about these, these first training sessions that were absolutely brutal. Uh, and and he, would, he would work them so hard, he, he said, I deliberately want to work them hard so that some of them want to leave. 
want to weed out those who haven't got the fight, those who are those who are weak, those who can't keep up, those who aren't going to do it. I'm going to get them out, and then we'll have winners. And in a sense, it worked. They, they create winners, but but I could help kind of watching it go. That's not coaching. It's bullying. That's not inspirational management or leadership. That's, that's just treating people badly. It's not love, is it? it can you imagine if we did that at church? If we said, look, here's what we're going to do. Uh, the weakest, you know, we're going to push you harder and harder and harder. And whoever we think to make the cut, we're going we're to kick you out. Is that, is that love? Is that loving our neighbor? Is that love, joy, patience, gentleness, kindness, forbearance? It's not, is it? Legalism and love, but they don't sit well together. And here's why it's so important, isn't it? Notice what Paul says. This is so critical. Verse 15, if you bite and devour each other, watch out. You'll be destroyed by each other. If you live under the kind of works of the flesh, the hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, ambition, and so on, you'll ultimately destroy yourselves and one another. And, verse 21, Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom. Now you're thinking, hang on, well, after we said we were saved by grace, not by works. What's he saying? He's saying the fruit is the necessary evidence. The fruit is the necessary evidence. It's not, it's not the way you get in, but it's the evidence that you are rooted in the Lord Jesus, that you're seeking to live a life pleasing to him. Not perfectly. None of us are perfect on this side of heaven, but it's the necessary evidence. And if it's not there, Paul is kind of calling us towards self, some serious self-examination. To say, if you see in your life very little of the kind of uh, goodness, gentleness, self-control, patience, if you see little of that, you see plenty of hatred, discord, rage, ambition, envy, maybe it's time to have a close examination of yourself. Maybe talk to someone, talk to a friend, talk to a home leader, talk to a pastor. Because it, it, it poisons we don't live by the spirit, we live by the flesh, and we poison ourselves. Actually, we poison those around us, don't we? It's like this. This is, this is uh, kind of the well of your life, and um, here's, some, here's some salt. And if, and, and if we start kind of putting into this uh, hatred, discord, jealousy, ambition, rage, dissensions, and so on, and so on, and so on. If this is maybe no big like this, this is, this is, this is the well of your life. What's, what's going to happen when people come anywhere near you or around you? <laughs> Do you know people like that? Are you, are you a little bit like that? so critical, isn't it? Can I, can I give three applications to this point? Here's the first one. Some of you, by personality, would identify the sort of people who would say, I just say it as it is. What, what if it isn't? You know? That, that, that mindset, we, we defend ourselves. We say, it's, just, it's just who I am. I just say it as it is. Is it kind? Is it gentle? Is it patient? So you might, you might want to just Check that phrase out of your vocabulary and think differently. If you're new here, let me give you two things to do if you're new and you've been here at Grace maybe just over the summer, the last few months. 
How do we do this? How do we practice this relational thing through the spirit, loving our neighbour? Two things. Uh, join a home group, join a service team if you've not done that. Home group, I mean, middle of the week, is how you get to know a smaller number of people. You bear one another's burdens. You share what's going on in life. You pray for each other. You practically care for each other. It's how we, how we do this in a big church, home group, is how we live this stuff out. Join a home group, join a service team. God has given you gifts. He wants you to use them. He doesn't want you on the sidelines. He wants you to be on the pitch, using the gifts that he has given you for his glory. If you're not found a service team, join a service team. It's how we do love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness. It's how we serve in this way. And for those who've been around longer, uh, let, me, let me give you two things. Let me remind you of one of our little cultural practices here. Uh, take five. Take five. At the end of every service, if you're sat next to someone or near someone you don't know, make that your first conversation. Don't turn your back to them and leave them sat like a goose on their own, feeling pretty awful. Just take five. Take five minutes, make that your first conversation, say hello to them if they're near you. And then talk to them you like. Just take five and reevaluate hospitality. Hospitality, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? One of those ways we, we relationally love one another. So just have a little mini audit in your own mind. How's that going for you? Is that something that's a little bit of a fresh start for you? Can I do what I like? This may be the question that some of Paul's readers may have asked. Can I do what I like? The answer is no, because we're now led by God's Spirit. How do I live a life that pleases Him? Well, it's simple and it's difficult, isn't it? You may think, who, who lives a life that really pleases God? You may think, well, it's... It's those people who go overseas and do incredibly self-sacrificial things. Or it's those people who start up these incredible charities to care for the homeless or, or, or the needy. Or it's, or it's the, the person who can stand on the street and, and tell people about Jesus. Or the, the conference speakers and, and best-selling authors. Maybe they're the ones that are really pleasing God. But what about me? No, of course it's really simple. For every one of us, actually it's as simple as it is difficult. How do you live a life that pleases God? Verse 14. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. And don't blackmail your children. 